Ethan Lear, I want you on your best behavior for this podcast. I'm going to try. We got a, We got a pro on this one. I don't want you to, to embarrass us. I feel as if I've already ruined it in the pre-production, but... What does that even mean? Uh, That's me on the podcast, sharing a song with something to say about it, with Thin Lear and Viagra Moon, losing my opinion. I, this is a very special episode of Losing My Opinion, so I want to I get the, the intro out of the way here. This is a podcast where uh, two songwriters surprise each other with, uh, you know, obscure, unusual songs, hot takes. We'll have strange arguments to make. And uh, I'm very widely celebrated indie musician, Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas. I'm universally hated indie musician, Dan Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo, a.k.a. uh, Daddy, to some. Yeah, you haven't been daddy in a while. I haven't, no. I mean, we were talking about the mini-sode with our guest, who we'll introduce in a second, and we call our mini-sodes Daddy's Busy, because those are the episodes where I do not have time to come up with any content. <laughs> but yeah, Daddy does get busy. Well, anywho, I'm very excited for this episode, because we have the one, the only, Dan McInerney from the Story Song Podcast joining us today. Hello, Dan. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Very honored. Thanks for having me on. Hell Yeah. I am. Uh, I'm always taking notes the way you guys do it. You you guys are the pros. I you take one song, and you get so much material out of it. You just it's stanza by stanza. I'm always uh, yeah. It, it amazes me. So what we do is uh, we take a story song um, and we go like we said line by line, uh, examine the lyrics. Um, and what we try to do if we can is basically take a song you've heard a thousand times and find something new. In it, uh, we also say that we analyze stuff that was never meant to be analyzed this closely. So that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the fun uh, comes into it. You know, it's all a good time. Um, we will often take theories that are plausible but unlikely, and we'll always take that path because it's more fun. Uh, but yeah, we we have a good time, and then we go through the history of the song and make a lot of jokes and reveal our ignorance on a lot of things. So uh, it's it, it's a good time, hopefully. Dan, what's an ep- what's an episode that gave you a revelation about a song where you were like, I can never listen to this the same way, in a good or bad way? Um, that's a good question. We just did uh, Tom's Diner uh, by Suzanne Vega, and um, first of all, I was kind of vaguely aware that that the version from the '90s that was a hit was a remix. Um, but the original version is fully a cappella. There's no instruments whatsoever. Um, but then also I didn't realize that it was done. The, the original version was done illegally. Um, it was, it was oh. remixed and, and released to clubs like anonymously. And the record company got a hold of it and was going to sue, try to find the people and sue them. And then Susan Vega, because she's a super cool, badass chick, was like, no, why don't we just buy the track and release it? Um, and so that's what they did. But it, it was a lot of like cloak and dagger, like trying to figure out who these guys were. And then when they signed the contracts, they did it like through uh, through a proxy. Like, uh, I mean, it came out who they were years later, but for years, nobody actually knew who had who had done the remix, even though it was like a number one hit. Uh, no one, no one knew who it was. Yeah, it was a really, really weird, funny story. 
Wow. See, that's what the, the sound of research. I was just, <laughs> I, Thomas, like I was just like, where is the level of research? A preparation of hours put into. And we don't even do, that's just one song. It would give me anxiety if we were like, we're each going to talk about <laughs> one song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we love, honestly, the, the research part originally was just kind of like, well, we got to do, we got to fill up the, the time basically. Uh, but at this point, it's sort of 50 50. I, I love doing the research. And w- there's always some, crazy thing that like you didn't know uh we just uh it hasn't come out yet but we did um you're so vain mm. by carly simon Ooh. who's it about uh, who's so vain mm, you gotta listen to the episode uh but uh, but right. um but i mean that's what the, that's what a big part of it is but uh carly simon's dad is simon of simon and schuster yep i had i had no what? idea i, didn't know, I, I no knew idea. she was wealthy yes she's very wealthy yes <laughs> very very wealthy so which explains why she's dating people like warren Beatty and James Taylor and like you know she she was definitely running in those circles um, and was going to parties on yachts and stuff. It's the place to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> if you're gonna make yacht rock, you gotta exactly. get on a yacht or two. You be on, literally on yeah, a yacht. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm very excited to crack into this today. I know uh, Dan's gonna be doing a segment later on. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with something I've uh, prepared for today. But uh, Matt, you were also saying. Uh, we had some feedback on the uh, the trans debacle, uh, Neil Young's uh, 1983 did, electronic album. We did. We got a lot of. I got a few messages from people saying, "You just you're not trying hard enough to like this." Like basically, everyone's message was the same, which is like, "Don't dismiss Neil's robot music just because he's using a vocoder." Like get get past that, and then you'll start to enjoy the songwriting. And uh, mm. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. It wasn't I, the vocoder was like the least of my problems, but uh, yeah, people are gonna yeah. I don't know. That's what you learn doing a show where you just uh, you know speak your mind without any um, filter for for an hour or two. People are gonna have a different opinion. People get but, mad. We get mad. Yeah. I got mad about Coldplay. I was I was oh, defending man. Coldplay uh, like a month ago, and it was just like you know I don't want to be doing this, but there I was. The only thing I was I have not listened to Trans in a long time. The only thing I will say is a guy like Neil Young, I just, I love, he just clearly does not care what anyone else thinks. You know what I mean? He is just like, yeah. I'm just, this is what I want to do. If I want to, if I want to do a, like a covers album of a bunch of like fifties songs that no one remembers, I'm going to do it. Who's going to stop me? I'm Neil Young. <laughs> like, what are you going to do about it? So I, I love, I do love that energy, even if sometimes you have to suffer through not the best stuff. Yeah. It's a roller coaster. Exactly. Yeah, he's. Uh, we'll we'll come back to him. I feel like we we have to give Mr. Young his due someday. But today, I'm very excited to come back in with a, uh, a second installment. This is the second time that I've come to you today with a round of guilty or not guilty. Oh yeah! You remember this one, Thin Layer? I do remember this, and it was like uh, it made people uncomfortable. I think it made me uncomfortable, certainly <laughs> doing it because I was not guilty enough in my what i was enjoying so uh dan what this is today is i'm going to show three songs and these are songs where i'm wondering if these are guilty pleasures okay i want to be judged by uh, a jury of my (laughs) peers my uh, my fellow musical colleagues here is this a guilty pleasure should i feel guilty about this one or is it just a pleasure i love it dan do you have guilty pleasure criteria like if you're thinking am i guilty or not about a song is there Something that kind of tips it in one direction or the other? I guess. I mean, I guess if it's something that you would be embarrassed that your cool friends knew you listened to, 
Like, I think that's definitely, yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. Um, although I live a pretty shameless life. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say most of my guilty pleasures at this point are probably just pleasures. But yeah, I mean, again, I, th- I think if it's something that um, you would be, you would be ashamed if your coolest friend found out that you listened to. Yeah. What if you don't have any cool friends? <laughs> well, then you're well, just you know, always yeah, a shame. Who, yeah, exactly. Or just whoever is the coolest, not <laughs> out of your friends, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But I think I think it's like a community standards thing. I think All right. Can, some people- Community standards. I like I that. Have to say, yeah. Dan, mine is like if my headphones aren't synced to my phone on the subway- yeah. And would I be embarrassed? So it's very exactly. similar. No, that's a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. All right. So with that in mind, uh, last time we did this, one of the songs I brought up was uh, Ariel, which I know you talked about oh, yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> I love what that a tune. song that is. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any of the tunes today that I'm sharing, I love quite to that extent. These are all definitely uh, pleasures of mine, but I, I don't know if they're like, you know, in my all time song status there's maybe somewhere in the middle but i do quite enjoy them they do definitely uh you know end up getting played here and there and uh what we got to find out today is should i feel guilty about that or not i'll tell you so then Lear, you'll also remember uh a while back we talked about the uh oddball uh, solo career of uh tim curry back when he's recording albums yes yeah that was shocking to me uh, so there is a song that I discovered from that week uh, where I talked about uh, oh, the Rocky boy. Horror Picture Show soundtrack and everything. I was talking Curry for a while. There's a song from Tim Curry's uh, first initial studio album, Read My Lips. Great title <laughs> for a Tim Curry album. Yeah. Uh, one of the big singles from that was a cover of a song called Birds of a Feather, so this this uh, the cover version's from 1978. I think the uh, the original was just from like a year prior. It was from a pair of songwriters, Carol Pope and Kevin Staples, for a band called Rough Trade. I don't know anything about them. I just know the Tim Curry version. Uh, I also know this song is produced by Bob Ezrin, Whoa. who did The Wall. Matt, I don't want to hear it. Don't like it. Uh, the Wall is a great album. <laughs> Uh, Bob Ezrin also produced uh, Lou Reed's Berlin and a million other things. So you got real talent behind the uh, the studio monitors. You got talent in front of the microphone. I, I found myself listening to this song, Birds of a Feather, even just the other day on the treadmill. It, wow. it, it won't leave. I keep, I keep coming back to it. Workout song, too. All right. Yeah, let's hear it. Dan, were you familiar with uh, Tim Curry, the uh, the musical artist? I have not listened. I was familiar, or at least I should say I was aware that this happened. I was not. <laughs> not have not dug happen. into the catalog. I must I must confess. You don't know his B sides. It's uh, <laughs> it's an odd, slim picking, but uh, there there's a couple couple moments in there from his discography that I enjoy. This is probably the the top of the heap for me. I I jam out to this on occasion, and uh, I'd be curious what uh, the jury of my peers thinks. But uh, I'm gonna get a plan. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. I remember the last song you played, it was a real like uh, Mick Jagger kind of vibe, you know. Mick yeah, Jagger that, that was a, a Curry original, the rare uh, Curry penned yeah. uh, track. Th- this is this is a, uh, a cover written by professional songwriters. Mm. He's just doing his Tim Curry thing over it. But I love the vocals. I love the groove of the tune, how it all came together, The just the whole, the vibe, the sound. But you, you can tell me if it's, uh, if it's good, clean fun or not. Okay. But this is uh, Birds of a Feather. 
I'm saying minimal head bopping. As you're in my room. I, I, I like this. You like no, it? I do. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, it's nothing mind blowing. No, it's like uh, Aladdin, Sane, Era, Bowie, that kind of vibe. I don't think you need to feel guilty about this song. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't say guilty. Um, I mean, the first thing, as soon as it started, my first thought was this sounds like something that'd be on The Muppet Show. <laughs> <laughs> like I can imagine Tim Curry coming out, you know, and there's like Muppets of birds and mm. stuff that he's like singing to. Um, oh, over there. It, yeah, it has <laughs> it has that vibe, that sort of like, you know, uh, boogie woogie piano uh, mm. sort of sound to it. But yeah, no, I mean, it depends, you know, it depends, depends on the situation. But um, if I was at a party, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't blanch at this song if it if it came on. All right, so sounds like I'm acquitted. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Not bad. Can I can I ask a question? If you are found guilty, can we decide what your punishment is? Like, oh we... yeah, that's that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there, you know, there's guilty and it's just you know thirty hours of community service. Exactly. Time served. There's guilty and it's yeah. prison for life. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's yeah. that's a scale here. Like you got to yeah, work. Like you got to go to the gym and leave it playing loud for everyone to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. You can't wear headphones while right. you're on the on the treadmill. You just got to have it blasting off your phone. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. That was a softball. Uh, we're we're starting off easy One here. Bet. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing wrong with it. Just frilly, fun, kind of just airy. But uh, you know, all the right things are in place. I think he's very charismatic as a vocalist. But yeah. I talked about that before. Um, for my second song, I actually have another cover. But you both definitely know the original. Finlayer has probably heard this cover version, although. This might have escaped you. Who knows? Um, Is it Michael McDonald singing Grizzly Bear again? No, that was awesome, though. It was awesome. That, that was a lovely find. Uh, no, this is... Uh, but this is from a similar era. This is from 2009. The heydays of indie pop, as it were. Uh, this is from... This covers from a group uh, called Discovery. Okay. Yeah, is this... Uh... Do you remember Discovery? Yeah, didn't they do stuff with like the Vampire Weekend dudes? Or is it? Yeah. So it's it's the Vampire, it's the former Vampire Weekend keyboardist, uh, co-songwriter, uh, Rostam Botmanli. I wish I knew how to say his name. That's where people who research come in and right. do that. But I love Rostam. He's got a solo career going now. He's excellent. Just super. He's one. Of, he was like one of the most talented people in that band. Uh, I love Vampire Weekend. I love this kind of side project of, of Rostam and uh, the guy from Ra Ra Riot. Of course, now I'm forgetting his name offhand, but the two of them, Wes something, the, the two of them came together for a couple years in the mid-late 2000s, put out an album called LP. I was very disappointed when they never released a follow-up, but it's, it's uh, slightly glitchy, off-kilter uh, electropop but very, very fun, kind of syrupy, sweet almost at, at times. Dan, I don't know if this is ringing any <laughs> bells for you at all. No, but I'm excited to hear it. Hell yeah. Uh, this is 
you're gonna you're gonna both have takes on this. Okay. So don't you worry. <laughs> this is uh, they're they're covering a very famous song here. Um, I don't want to give you too much more context before we just play it, but I will say that Pitchfork hated this cover at the time. They were pretty, they were tepid on uh, the album overall, but this cover was like, why would you even do this? But <laughs> okay. I think this is a great cover. It gives, it hits a sweet spot for me even to this day. I think it's very creative and imaginative, and this is the kind of cover I like to see out there. Let's do it. But I could, I could be totally off. Who knows? Getting a no. I'm getting a thumbs down from uh, from Thin Layer. Getting a scowl from Matt over here. <laughs> All right, yeah. I think you get the. No, I think yeah. we know where that's going. That, that to to me, Dan, maybe you feel differently, but uh, that feels like Rostam using his powers for evil. Oh. You know what I mean? Like the maximalist thing. Uh, just felt. Uh, I am going to declare guilty. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, come on. I, it was, it, I, I didn't hate it. Uh, I was kind of into it until the vocal started. The, the, vocals, oh, the vocals are the best part. It was really getting on my nerves. Um, at, <laughs> first it seemed, at first it seemed like, um, I was like, oh, this sounds like a song to be playing in like a sexy club full of vampires or something. Um, and then, so then when the, when the vocal came in, I was like, it was sort of screeching. I do, I, I do like the attempt Though it sort of was something like, um, sort of akin to like Devo doing like Satisfaction or something, like yeah, like taking a classic and like taking it apart and like kind of you know trying to do something new with it. But so I I, I give it an E for effort, but I I would not uh, if if that came on in the car, I would I would I would turn it off. That <laughs> you was, that you would push the person out of the car who would yeah, turn exactly. it on. <laughs> wow, you hated it that much. Then Lear, what, what's the deal? Uh, no, I, you know, I, I feel vaguely similar to Dan, and I didn't hate it. I mean, yeah, no, you I didn't. You gave me a very vigorous thumbs down, which I don't see too often on this podcast. I didn't love it. I didn't, lo- I didn't <laughs> love it or like it. I, and I think Rostam is, like, one of the best producers, collaborators, sidemen, songwriters of yeah. his era. Terrific uh, talent. Amazing. But that, I, again, I think was him. That's using his powers for evil. 
because it was just this maximalist thing. Everything was so ornate, you know, which is what he's really good at. Everything fit together, but it was just like so maximalist and gross. Gross. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, so what's my sentence? You got to you gotta run for five minutes on the treadmill with that song playing in its entirety. What if I've already done that? Well, loud for everyone to hear what <laughs> oh, you're... Oh, yeah. well, okay. I think people get into it. That's what I think. No. You go to a very forgiving gym, my friend. All right. So guilty, but not too guilty. Sounds like I got off I think, mostly yeah, the warning on that on one. That yeah, was, yeah. Slap on the wrist. That was a boys, boys will be boys sort of, you know, <laughs> we don't want to ruin your life kind of. <laughs> kind of sentence i'm gonna i'm gonna put auto tune will be auto exactly <laughs> all right well it's gonna get maybe i don't know a little weirder here for this last one you know me thin Lear. you get me talking long enough i'm gonna i'm gonna show some japanese shit okay nice uh so i used to live in japan really and did you? uh is that i did i hadn't heard that not. i'm telling well maybe dan didn't know so i'm letting him know as well uh <laughs> So during college, I, I studied abroad there for a couple of years and like, you know, lived with like people local to Kyoto. That was the city I lived in, made some, you know, pretty good friends there. My, my housemate, one of my housemates was very much into music, very much a guy who would listen to a podcast like this, uh, if he spoke English and, uh, his name was Shunsuke. I learned a lot of cool music, both, uh, Western and Japanese from him uh the song i'm about to show you has uh, a special place in my memory so i originally found out about this song from from him and he found out about it because he was reading a book and he's he kind of had like a dark sense of humor so it was like some weird sort of american psycho sort of novel and i guess there's a scene in the novel like where there's a murder but the song that the killer plays is the song i'm about to show you so you can just keep that in mind you're going to hear a song be like, what the hell? So we can maybe throw that context uh, to, the, to, to the side after a little bit. But the song is called Yume o Akirame Naide, which means don't give up on your dreams. Uh, it is from the glory of, uh, of 80s Japan. This is like the most 80s track you're ever going to hear. This is up there with like Wham, like that sort of cotton candy. You know, everything's overblown, overconfident, big sound, big, big drum machines. And uh, the artist is a lady named Takako Okamura. And uh, I don't know much by her, except I think I just got like the greatest hits album from Shinsuke. Uh, and she kind of looks like, like the neighborhood piano teacher. Seems sweet and like she goes to church every Sunday or something. And it's just a very cotton candy, big, goofy 80s pop song. Something about it melodically strong enough for me once in a while, if I just want to feel like I'm like, Floating in a fluffy, fluffy cloud. I'll put, I'll put this tune on, but uh, you two can, can tell me what's what in a moment here. I'm going to keep an open mind. You know, I haven't been known to love the maximalist 80s Japanese pop on this podcast, but you never know. Dan, you listen to uh, much Japanese pop? Uh, I can't. I can't say that I have. I have a... My brother-in-law has lived in Japan for about 15 years. Oh, wow. And will uh, occasionally... Yeah, he, he is... Um, He's like a six foot three, like Polish guy, so uh, he he sticks out uh, pretty clearly. But um, yeah, he is he is he sent me some stuff um, over the years. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. I've definitely dabbled in it, but I can't I can't say I have any sort of knowledge base 
on uh, on Japanese pop. I love lyrics uh, as evidence. Yeah, by that's the what show I was gonna say. Do, so <laughs> if I don't know what they're saying, I mean, I usually it doesn't it, it doesn't tough. stick with me. But yeah. Yeah, and our, our listeners, a lot of them seem to have uh, the same issue, so I don't know why I keep uh, introducing <laughs> international music to our podcast, but God damn it. Uh, well, maybe your, your brother-in-law might have heard of uh, Takako Okamura, maybe. Maybe they've even heard the song, but who knows? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into it. See if I'm guilty or not guilty for this last number here. Just the 80s pop machine. Gears are spinning. George Michael could sing on this one. Yeah. Got the Paco Bell's canon phrase going. Conflicted on this one. Conflicted. Yeah, because f- I'm not. I loved it. You I'm loved just it. Say that. I, lo- I oh, mean, yeah. I I am a sucker for '80s synth pop. So I love the drum fill. I I was definitely yeah. I I definitely like that one. I did like it too, but I was wondering if I liked it because like if that were sung in English by I don't know. Mm. Cindy Lauper. Don't give up on your dreams. Right, 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 right. So, <laughs> so if I understood that could go either the way. lyrics, uh, would that be a problem? So that was the thing I was thinking about. Is is there to my Western ears, it was that mm. just enough edge and not understanding it to make it kind of cool? Whereas if it were sung by, I don't know, some like a New Kids on the Block type thing, would I have still thought it was kind of cool? Uh. So I don't know. But it is what it is, and I thought it was kind of cool. Okay. Sounds like a mistrial, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throwing it out. Well, yeah. Your Honor, yeah. we, we <laughs> are missing the uh, English lyricist uh, at this time and cannot uh, continue with. Yeah. Wow. Well, I got off pretty dang easy. For what you brought in? Some, yeah. s- some community service at the gym, that's about it, yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible, but yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, yeah. may I ask... What have you been listening to this week? Losing my opinion. So, um, you guys 
like I said, I listened to an episode, and you guys mentioned this uh, this artist briefly, and then dismissed him, which is understandable. But I want to talk about Billy Joel. Ha! So he's back. Here's my, and I, I'm sorry if you guys have talked about him before, but here's my premise: Billy Joel is possibly the most popular and successful rock star who is totally uncool. Mm. Like, completely... Like, Billy Joel famously grew up on Long Island. And I, somewhat less famously, also grew up on Long Island. Me too. And Billy Joel, whatever era it is, the way he looks, the way he, the way he acts, the whole vibe he gives off, just reminds me of the dad of everyone I grew up with. <laughs> like, just... He... he, he it's incredible how he's just a schlub from Long Island. And I say that with love because I'm a schlub from Long Island. He just has this this look and this attitude. Like the big rock stars like David Bowie, Mick Jagger, like Prince, like you cannot imagine them doing anything else, right? This is this is all they could. It's true, This yeah. is the only way they could, they could exist in the world. Billy Joel could have been an accountant. You know, he, he could have been a guy who like fixes industrial air conditioners or something. He, HVAC. He, jelly yeah. manager. Yeah, he. it's almost like he's like one of the very few like big rock stars who like being a rock star just happens to be his job. Like I feel like he just, he doesn't, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's fair. that, like he, he even like cares about it that much. It seems like a nine to five sort of, sort of thing, you know, that he just like clocks into. Um, and like I mentioned, like he's famously from Long Island. And, like, other people who are from Long Island are, like, Lou Reed, LL Cool J, Mariah Carey. Yeah, badasses. Well, like, they don't, they're not famously from Long Island. Right. Right? They because yeah. they don't fly they the don't flag. Seem, yeah. Like, well, just like Lou Reed seems like he must have been born in Manhattan and lived there. Lou, Lou Reed rebranded exactly. pretty early on, yeah. <laughs> like, like, but Billy Joel is the only guy who, like, not only, like, when he's, like, I'm from Long Island, people are like, yeah, I 100% believe that. I, I did not <laughs> I did not think anything else about you. Um, and he's also, like, he, I think to his credit, he also, like, will put in, ref, like, local references to, like, growing up. Like, in Scenes from Italian Restaurant, uh, he mentions the Parkway Diner, which is, like, a real place. Yeah. Like, it's a real diner. Nothing special about it. It's just a diner. Just a, a Long Island diner where you can go and get like disco fries or whatever, like if you want. Um, so he doesn't do things to like be cool. Like he doesn't mention things to be like, this is like a hip thing that people that I'll mention that people will think I'm cool. He's just like, yeah, I used to eat there. So I'm just gonna like put it in a song. Like it's and it's sort of incredible how he he managed to be such a big star. Um such a big shot. Yeah, and just and again, just just you know, like does not like if you saw it, you wouldn't pick him out of a crowd. Like he would, he could be like walking around. In fact, I used to work in East Hampton and um, on, out on the, the east end of Long Island, and he had a house out there. And I would see him every time. I would see him all the time. And my reaction every time was like, "Oh, look, there's Billy Joel." Like it just <laughs> there was not like, a, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like yeah. like if you saw like David Bowie or something, you're like, "Oh my god, that's David Bowie!" I can't believe it. It was just like, "Oh, there's there's uh Billy Joel's getting ham at the deli counter. Like, whatever. <laughs> he's just some dude. <laughs> like, it was, it's, it's just incredible. Like, and the fact that he's that popular, like, when you're not cool like that, because the one thing about being cool that's like a great benefit 
is that you can do really dumb and corny stuff and people forgive you. Mm. Like, or they just forget about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like Billy Joel can't change his name to a symbol or like record like bat dance, you know, or like he, he can't like rec- do a cover of like dancing in the streets with Mick Jagger. Um, Cause people would like murder him for it. But like <laughs> Prince and, and, and uh, Bowie can, and people are just like, that's ah, fine. He's they're cool. Like it, it, it doesn't matter. So I think all of like, admittedly, Billy Joel does a lot of like dumb and corny stuff, but like, People like especially don't like it from him because because he's Billy Joel because he's just like right. some random guy right you know he's what I mean? kind of like a sobering reminder of like <laughs> mundanity or right. normalcy when you want to like go into rock music land exactly and he's just like the dad in the corner is like you you almost done okay. yeah yeah right, he, we, he's like home now? <laughs> his whole like feeling is like a bunch of twelve year olds being like dad come on. You know, like he just, like you said, you want to see some like, like, you know, rock God, you know, up there. And he just, he just, he's, he's us. Like, he's like looking in a mirror. It's like, oh, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to see like a, just like a schlub, some like random guy. Like, I, I want to see like somebody who's like larger than life, you know? Yeah. So is that the persona that comes off in his music too, would you say a lot of the time? Because I know he's also very theatrical and very Broadway show tunes kind of background. It, well, some level. well, but in a way he's that's the, more like, piano man. like a, like a hardworking songwriter, I think. You know, like I don't think right. he necessarily portrays himself as uh, larger than life in the songwriting. It, it does for me sometimes veer towards like the show tunes kind of thing, but not in the way where he's like, you know, Bowie as a character or something. At his best, he is the poet, poet laureate of Long Island. You know, yeah. I, I think Captain Jack, the lyrics to that song are so Long Island in such a depressing, devastating yeah, way. Uh, I've never right. heard another song like that and that hits home i grew up in levittown <laughs> that that hits home uh for me and there are other songs he has that are that are like that um but yeah he for for me like there are songs he, like that one um uh she's well, got I think captain jack's a good example like a lot of a lot of drug songs right, right are like are are either this like this like epic like tragic fall from grace yeah you know and like Captain Jack is about a guy who gets high, masturbates, and like plays video games and falls asleep on the couch. Like it's it's literally like yeah. the most mundane sort of pathetic <laughs> existence, you know? Yes. Um, and then like it's, it's exactly that. Or or you know, um, like w- you guys had mentioned Neil Young, you know, like face facing the prospect of like rising punk rock in the seventies. Like Neil Young wrote "My My Hey Hey," right? Um, and Billy Joel wrote, it's still rock and roll to me, right? Which is him desperately being like, oh, I, I, I get it. I'm cool. Like, oh, it's, it's, all, it's all the same <laughs> stuff, guys. Like, and, and it's totally like a dad like coming in and like dancing to like whatever like Nicki Minaj song is playing and being like, oh, I, I'm into this. I'm, I'm still cool. It's the even same though, stuff, just yeah, yeah. different surface, <laughs> exactly, yeah, different yeah. gloss. And, yeah. like, he, and he tells you like what 80s song like she's – She's sampling like anyone cares. Any any twelve year old girl is gonna like care what this like forty year old guy knows. So it, it definitely it still has that feeling of yeah of him just like you know just just being like a somebody's dad. Like he always yeah. just feels like somebody's dad. Um, Billy Joel is inescapable. 
um, when when you're growing up in Long Island. Like like every radio stations will play like the deepest deep cuts on like a Tuesday morning. Like it's nothing. <laughs> like songs that like weren't even released as singles are like get played on the radio here. Um, and it and it can be so oppressive. But like as I got older, I I was sort of. My, my my hatred for Billy Joel turned to like a weird, um, a, a weird uh, like acceptance, and um, uh, you know I was sort of impressed that, like I said, like being that uncool and being and being such a popular rock star is like doing it with one hand tied behind your back. Like the fact that you could get that much popularity and that much success, while again like looking like a guy who works at the DMV is is just incredible it really is like amazing that he was able to do that it is um yeah i, I i'm moving in that direction dan i mean I've, i'm 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 moving towards you i mean i started off in the play i worked in a deli for years and years and they they would play that i would hear him yeah. constantly and i it really drove me away and i thought of him as like just a, a talented tunesmith that i just not that I couldn't stand it, but I just didn't want anything to do with it. And then uh, now I find myself coming back and really digging into like The Stranger, the, like that record and 52nd Street and liking yeah. it more, seeing, seeing him for what he is, seeing his talent. I mean, the Uptown Girl thing, like I know everyone kind of dismisses that as like, oh, he was too happy. <laughs> he right. was with Christy Brinkley, like just let him yeah. have, let him do his thing. Uh, and that record, uh, The River of Dreams, like in my childhood, I could not escape that could not escape those singles. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I'll ever come back to that one. But uh, he, he has, I would say, two albums worth of songs that I really do enjoy now. Um, what's that song? Uh, uh, oh, it's the atheist one. Um, Only the Good Die Young. That, oh, yeah. That's a heavy song. Uh, right. And I think sometimes he delivers lines like, you know, you're 21, still your mother makes your bed and that's too long. And that's like the that's the upshot of that <laughs> song. And, it, and it's yeah. to your point of like him being a schlub and a normal guy, a, a line like that delivered by anybody else would be like, what? Whatever. But from him, it's like devastating because it's such a common thing. <laughs> it's right. such a regular guy thing of just like, this is disgraceful and you're OK with this. And. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying, and I, I feel like in a couple of years I'll be fully where you are. <laughs> yeah, he's also a guy like I mean he he is sort of closer to like an impressionist than anything else. Like he he's really good at taking like genres and like and like making them like Billy Joel songs. Like kind of you could playing them playing with them for a song or two. Yeah, like and he 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 definitely like jumps a lot of like genres you know um like uptown girl is like basically just a like a you know a supreme song essentially um and and again it definitely has that feeling of like remember when they used to make them like this you know it's like yeah. that that raise real new york bagels <laughs> exactly yeah. it's that kind of guy yeah exactly it's just like okay you know like I, I i know things were great when you know it was 1962 and you had your trams am and you're going down the lie but um <laughs> and so he's he's that guy you know um but the other thing about him too is that like this thing about it just being a job, I don't think is actually even like a theory because he, he um, did a tour with Elton John, right? Famously for like a couple of years. 
And when, when was this? Yeah, uh, this is like the I think I guess like the mid two thousands maybe. Weird. Um, yeah, they set up the piano. Yeah, they, they were both piano men. They would face each they other yeah. with the piano. They right? would face each other. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And it was you know it was one of those things too where like it was it, it did like huge business because I think it was one of those things where people were like, well I don't know if I want to pay all this money to see Elton John and I don't know if I want to pay all this money to see Billy Joel but if I get the, the same ticket I get to see both of them like yeah, that's two great. Two for one. You know? uh, yeah, it's like two for one basically. But um, they did it for years, and then eventually Billy Joel, they, they had kind of like a beef going because Billy Joel wanted to stop. He, he basically mm. wanted to stop the tour. And Elton John was like, like, it was funny reading the comments. Like, it was clear they just, like, were on different, in different worlds and, like, couldn't understand each other. Because Elton John is like, what you never stop. Like he's go go go, yeah. But also, like you're you're in your 80s and you like do a remix with Dua Lipa or whatever. Like you. Hey, oh, we talked about that. Yeah, one. We covered that. <laughs> he's like, like for for better or worse, like whatever you personally think of it. Elton John's like, I'm gonna die at this keyboard. <laughs> yes. Like I will do this. Oh yeah. I will do this. This forever. is all I do. Yeah. This is what I am. Yeah. And Billy Joel was like, Hey man, I've been doing this for 40 years. Like I got my gold watch. I want to retire. Like I literally want to. Yeah. I like. I I don't think. Being and a musician. He stopped releasing yeah, he uh, released a music like forever ago. Re- his his last like, album was classical music. I think it's not a coincidence that Piano Man is the song he'll be remembered for. Mm. Because Piano Man is about a guy who plays bar like a, a piano in a bar, right? Like and he's he's not he's just some guy and like he goes home to his one bedroom apartment that's like above a Chinese food place in Freeport and and that's it like there's no, you know that's 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 who he is even when he's selling out Madison Square Garden it still seems like he should just be a guy who plays piano in a bar and like and listens to everybody's sad stories you know and and like and pretends to be interested so they put more money in his jar like that's that's who Billy Joel is like what wherever he happens yeah. to be playing I think so, some uh, of my dis some of my I never disliked him. Some of my aversion to him, I think, one was that it was ubiquitous where I yeah. was, but also that uh, it was, there was some self-shame, too, there. Because I would be like, why do people in other countries or other states even understand this dude? It doesn't make any sense because right. he's so local for me. It was, right. it was just like, how could anybody like that? And really, it's just like, these are my people. They're like, this is me. And he's, he's yeah. going on tour with it, with our you know, culture, culture, <laughs> right. for lack of a better word. And uh, right. it was just sort of confounding. But uh, yeah, I'm more comfortable with it now. He's kind of like, he's airing our shame. He is. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we don't we don't even want anyone to know that we're here. We just want to <laughs> hang out, you know. Yeah. And drink our Dunkin' Donuts uh, and just yeah. leave us alone. Yeah, let me have this bagel and just, yeah. Right. <laughs> is, is there a uh, particular... Billy Joel's song that kind of made things click into place for you, like oh maybe I'm coming around on this guy again, or anything in particular you wanted to uh, to play for us for today. I mean, I just could, to get yeah. Us back well, in the, the Joel zone. Um, so he's also a guy where like I think his his biggest hits are not his best songs, but I think they are. You know, sort of cynically, I think he was good at knowing like what was gonna hit. You know um, what? What basically the the schlubs and galoots like him are gonna we're gonna eat up. Um, but he does he does have a couple of good ones. Um, there's a song I can send it to you called uh, Rosalinda's oh, Eyes. Oh, it's so good. That's a really good song, and that's actually I'm a, vaguely familiar with that one. Yeah, I'd have to revisit it. It's like really smooth, and it doesn't have all the like corny bells and whistles um, that a lot of his 
a lot of other songs have. It's it's just like it's just a solid song, you know. Mm. And it's also one of the ones where like it definitely, you know, it has sort of the eighties keyboard sound. Um well I think it technically came out in the late seventies, but um but yeah, it has a little bit of that kind of smooth yacht rock sound, but it, it just it all really comes together. It really works. It's a solid song. And there's a bunch yeah. of tunes on I think that's fifty second street that that's a good uh, yeah, yeah, that, that whole album, record's good. Um, the the, the, one, really the ones good. I remember from this album are uh, Zanzibar mm-hmm. and Big Shot, uh, My Life. Uh, big, so I, I guess where I am on on Billy Joel because I'm from New England. I don't have any particular attachment to Long Island uh, necessarily. Although I guess my my wife did technically uh, grow up there until the age of twelve. Uh, a lot of people in my area actually uh, Long Island refugees. Coincidentally <laughs> enough, like if it's so many people are like, "Oh, we moved away 30, 40 years ago, fifty years ago." But uh, me and Billy Joel, it's kind of like if the band is really good and he stumbled upon a melody that really clicks with me, it's kind of like I'll make exceptions for him. He's generally still somebody where I'm like, "Yeah, like I, I don't want to hang out with Dad if I'm going to do rock." Like, <laughs> right? Exactly. Dad, get out of here. We're trying to listen to rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's still, a lot of his tunes, if I'm remembering the last time I tried to dig into him, there's there's something deeper underneath that I'm, that I'm missing. But yeah. uh, I'm, I'm going to try to listen to this one, see if my my uh, my take on Give it, it can, fresh can ears. Uh, change it all here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Rosalinda's eyes. So let's do it. Some smooth keys. Ooh. Call this one a guilty pleasure. <laughs> hey, baby. I play nights in the Spanish part of town. I got music in my hands. Work is hard to find, but that don't get me down. Rosalinda understands. Solo down Ooh, in Rolling the R's Mohavana I've been searching for you everywhere Though I'll never be there I know what I would see there I can always find my Cuban skies And Rosalinda's eyes That's just a fine chorus Ooh, I don't like this one <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this I enjoy this song. Right, we're split. This is this is a split. This seems when like a song you would like and I would like. Everything to me. Weird how that works, yeah. When she's all Come on, you like Gaucho and you don't like this song? I like loungy, but I don't want to be in a lounge with him. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't want to be in a lounge with you, dude. Because they're Rosalinda. You don't like this chorus? Oh, I don't like the rolling R's. It's it's too cheesy for me. I don't... It's too safe or something. Dad, you see what I deal with now? It's like... No, I, I mean... It's very confident. It's got a lot of creativity in it, but it's, it's, it's not the Joel that hooks me. Ooh, what about that? Hold on. We're doing penny whistles now, yeah. okay. 
I, I like that flavor in it. Yeah, you can stop there. I mean, I think I think you are you are feeling the exact phenomenon that I'm talking about. I think if David Bowie rolled his R's in a song, you would like it. But it's when it's Billy Joel, you're like, oh, come on, man! Like, you're, don't, you're not that guy. Like, you're not yeah, that Spanish. Yeah, a little, little bit that. that yeah. Like, you know, it's it's like someone like like a like a like a Bowie or like a Madonna. We're like, oh, they're a chameleon. Yeah. They can become anybody. And then if Billy they're Joel, artist. Yeah, with a and then Billy Joel a, yeah. tries it, and you're like, you, uh, we can see you underneath there. Yeah, really. like he, he's not. not yeah. You're not fooling anybody. Yeah. You know what That's I mean? That's it. Yeah. The other, we don't have to play necessarily, but the other one I was going to say was the. I want to hear it. Not the not the studio version, but the live version of Miami 2017. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with that one? I am. The song is called Miami 2017. It's called Miami 2017, um, and this is another reason. Like the it's it's the reason why it's called Miami 2017 is stupid, um, <laughs> which we can discuss. But the song itself is about um, it's just it's it's actually really weird for him. So the famously like his production, like his first couple albums when he first started was like really bad, um, and but the live version there's a one like from the concert for New York um, after 9/11 that's really good. But there's a couple live ones out there. But the song is about this like kind of weird science fiction-y story about New York City being destroyed. Mm. Um, and it's not clear like who is doing it, but there's lines about like the buildings crumbling and and then there's and there's actually like funny clever stuff like he, you know he says like the the buildings are crumbling and there's there's you know rubble everywhere and nobody noticed because that's the way 42nd Street always looks. Um, <laughs> oh, and so burns. it's you know it's sort of corny stuff like that. But the the whole song itself, like the lyrics are are really good and the live version is like really rocking. Um, I I mean I wouldn't be surprised if like the last song <laughs> you guys are lukewarm on it, but um, that that's one I always I always really liked and it and it's like. Definitely, like in some ways, like it's one of the few times where he tried to be clever, and I think it actually, it actually huh. works. I yeah. do, I do really like this song, and I and I know what you're saying about the live one. It's it's uh it's heavy, and and I remember hearing it in the aftermath of 9/11 on that that special, and it yeah. was like weighty. Like I got emotional hearing it. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's a you kind of had to be there in moment, but. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's sort of it's one of those weird things where like the you know. Um, not to get too much into 9-11, which you guys are probably not expecting me to talk about, but like, it's a weird thing. Like, I think sort of pre-9-11, one thing New Yorkers loved talking about and thinking about was New York being destroyed. <laughs> um, like anytime in a movie where like New York was wiped off the map, like if you're in a New York theater, people were just cheering so hard. Um, so like, it's sort of that, that spirit of like, you know, I don't know, this sort of weird self-destructive, like we love this place and also I want to watch it burn. Um, that a lot of New Yorkers have, uh, so it's it's yeah, it's cool. And like I said, the 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 studio album uh, version is fine, but it's just kind of lifeless. Like the the live version is yeah. is a lot better. So Miami twenty seventeen. This is a, a deep cut. I this one I have no frame of reference for. So I, I am truly going in fresh. So it, what, what's the best? So it, it's a performance he did after nine eleven. So yeah, like two thousand one. Yeah, it says like I don't know live concert for New York. Yeah, concert for New York. Yeah. That's on YouTube. This or was like uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. It was, that was like I, I think part of it too is like uh, as New Yorkers we'd heard the song six million times, so like we weren't really listening to the lyrics anymore. And then in the aftermath, it was you started listening to it and everything was connecting. Sort of similar to that um, you know Springsteen uh, like the Rising or whatever. Or, 
or no, when he would play like my hometown or something like that, right. it'd be like, Oh, I, I understand the song in a different way now. Uh, there's a lot of songs that happen too. All right, let's do the one 2012. Let's see how he sounded. All right. God, that was 11 years ago. <laughs> I know. All right. So Miami 2017. I have no idea what to expect here. Live from MSG. Held up pretty well. Storm came on beyond the palaces, out in the rockaways, the ocean Oh, you know, he changed the lyrics though, that's why. That's uh, fine. He held a concert out in Brooklyn to watch the island. Oh, this is after Sandy. Yeah, yeah. As the as New York City is being destroyed, they're giving a concert, and so he says, "Like we went right on with the show." And so as they're doing this concert, they're watching Manhattan like crumble, which is like, yeah. So he says, "I saw the ruins at my feet." So. You know, I, I lived for several years in New York City, having grown up on Long Island, and like, there's this weird pride in how crappy New York is. <laughs> like, it's such a, it's such a weird, um, like, split brain thing where you're like, God, this place is awful, and I just love it. I love the, how awful this place is. So, I, I almost wonder if, like, for people outside of New York, it's a different, it's a difficult thing to kind of wrap your mind around. But I, this feels like. I'm listening to the song from a climax of a musical that I've never seen. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think so. <laughs> I think it's like, that's oh, fair. if I was like following the story the whole time, and then he sings this. Oh, I can imagine that would be cool. But I, I'm an outsider still. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not locking in. But that, yeah, I'm getting the. He can go beyond cheese. That's the the sense I got with that one for sure. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, he he, like cheese is sort of his brand. So. <laughs> You know, I mean, he he's a guy who, like, in, like, the late 80s was like, you know what? People need a doo-wop song. Yep. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a, a doo-wop acapella song. the longest time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I, I don't know, Billy. I don't, I, I don't know about that one. But, you know, you be you, I guess. I, this is not a great comparison. But it's, it's almost like how surprisingly well-produced Weird Al songs are. It's almost like uh, that, where you're like, I, uh, yeah. not only did you do a parody of this song, but you actually did like a pretty good version <laughs> of it. Like it's He's almost in that realm where he's like, I'm going to do a Supreme song. And you're like, okay, yeah, like this is, you know, you did it, sure. Like, so it, it, is, it is kind of like, 
impressive to watch. It, it, you know, it's it's a thing of like I respect it more than I than I love it. That that kind of feeling. But I think it it is like sort of the older I get and the more I think about it, the more I'm just kind of like, how did you do this? How did you how did you manage to pull this off? How did you manage to have like you know, how did you manage to release a song? Like we didn't start the fire with a straight face, and that like, is, and actually I, get that up to number one. Like that, that is insane. Yeah, I really strongly dislike that song. Th- those lyrics are just like, <laughs> okay, so you're just listing things, and they're not well, even from the but, same era. Like he jumps eras, no. and it's just like stuff that has happened in human history. It's stuff that Julius happened. Caesar, Napoleon, <laughs> right, right. It's like it's like a you know it's like a comedian who's just like, you guys remember the Brady Bunch? And you're like, yeah. Do you have a do you have a joke you got about anything that? Else to, nope. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. That's it. And then people and then people applaud. Yeah, there's sort of no upshot. It's just like Cola Wars, yeah. the Kennedy assassination. It's like what is right. what? How are these things connected? <laughs> so that's 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 my take on Billy Joel. That I'm, is, I'm with you, Dan. I, I feel like you've yeah. won one of us over. <laughs> that's fair. Um, you don't. Have I'm it. not ready to be a Long Island dad. No, yet. yeah, you will yeah. be. You're gonna move out to Suffolk pretty soon. Gonna see you out here. It, uh, it, the, the, the arc of history bends towards Billy Joel, whether you want uh. to. Or not. <laughs> well, I think you 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 did your damnedest with that argument. I think I'm a lost cause for now. That's but, right. Uh, then Lear is definitely uh, is is definitely listening. This is the point of this show now, where we like to try to recap what we've learned. Okay. Um, I don't know if it, either of you want to go. Yeah, first. I learned that I. Um, I, I am I am gradually gaining in admiration and respect for Billy Joel, even from the last episode that we had where we talked about him. And I feel like I was like, you know, somewhat dismissive, but also could be swayed. And I feel like now I'm moving in the direction of being swayed. And I, I have a lot of respect for him. And uh, I still, you know, yeah, there's the cheese factor. Uh, I think, you know, if you go in listening, knowing that this is what he is, Maybe you could enjoy it more, but uh, he turns me off with some of those bigger songs like Big Shot and My Life or whatever. It's just like I love Big Shot. Yeah, those are the the rocking ones are the ones I tend not to get there's, behind. There's some good ones. In yeah, there. but you, I, I say this. I'm still. I think what I learned today is to really lock in with Joel. You got to be from New York. <laughs> you got to be in a New York state of mind. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. Yeah, at least tri-state um, area. I mean, the only thing I would learn is just like I'm gonna probably get like a find like an '80s Japanese pop playlist uh, on Spotify. Hey, I'll make you one. And yeah, oh, definitely, that would be awesome. I'll curate um, some classics for you because I I really I really like that one. I mean, again, I you know, look, I just I just spend half an hour defending Billy Joel, so I have no problem with cheese. <laughs> like, if you you want to give me the cheesiest yeah. cheesiest synth pop '80s song, I am no 100% barrier on entry board. There. No, no, I love it so. That's and uh, and I there's a whole other country where I can find all kinds of new new versions of it. So I'm definitely interested in that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I shall certainly make you a, a specially curated playlist. Awesome. The, Thank the you. The fluffiest, uh, most cotton candy uh, '80s Japanese jams for you. But uh, I was wondering if you also want to uh, tell the people a little bit more about uh, Story Song Podcast, where to find it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can uh, find it wherever you get podcasts. Uh, it's The Story Song Podcast. Uh, you can go to thestorysongpodcast.com. Uh, you can go also go to pantheonpodcast.com. That's uh, our network 
that we're on. Um, you can find us there. There's a hundred episodes or more than hundred episodes now. You know, it's really fun. We just we have a fun time. My co-hosts, who I probably should have mentioned before now, uh, Rachel and Michael. Uh, we've been friends forever. We went to high school together, um, and we've literally been just having dumb conversations about pop culture stuff for forever. Yeah, so go check out Story Song, and hey, you're uh, you're listening to this podcast. If you want to make sure you don't miss any future episodes, go ahead and subscribe on your platform of choice. You can also leave us a, a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, or even TikTok, all at Losing My Opinion. And uh, what did I say today? I, you know, Billy Joel, I think you really, you got to be from, from Levittown or really lock into him, and I could be wrong now. I would say try a couple of albums. But tracks. I don't think so. Yeah, I would I would I would jump maybe try to jump in with some album tracks. It look, if if it's if you're not feeling it, you could I'm not I will not be upset. Uh, He'll I'll <laughs> always keep coming back to him though, because he's got so many god dang albums from like my golden era yeah. of uh, you know, yacht rock and you know, seventies rock, the early eighties, like he's just always weaving in around, in and around like other stuff that I like, so I, we haven't. I haven't seen the end of him. I'm try, sure. Try the, yeah. the stranger. I think that, that's sort of maybe his yeah. darkest record. Maybe you, you might take that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. But it also has a cover that terrified me as a child. Right. So it's a bit. That's another. Yeah. <laughs> that's another. Yeah. It's just it's him laying on a bed, and on the pillow is like a faceless mask that he's looking at, and that just really under. It's not like scary, scary, but it just really unnerved me when yeah. I was a kid. It's uncomfortable. So my parents had it on their shelf, and I like would have to close my eyes when I walked past it. <laughs> and what do you got to say for yourself, then, Liam? Oh, I got nothing. I am also scared of the Stranger cover. <laughs> uh, I'll say so long, suckers, and we'll see you next week. And, uh, you know, hey, maybe give Billy Joel a chance. Maybe give Long Islanders a chance. All we are <laughs> saying is give Joel a this chance. This tiny independent artist named Billy Joel Just a chance. Just give him a We'd shot, all. you know? You'd all appreciate it. You could really use the support.